Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you open up to Ephesians chapter 6, while you're turning there, just a couple of quick things I would say to you. Um, One of my prayers is that God would make us a worshiping church. And you may say, well, we we just sung. That's what we just did. Maybe, maybe not. Worship is, as Joey so beautifully said, is engaging ourselves. And there's a lot of different ways that we do it. I think, just being really honest, we could learn a lot from our younger people and our younger generation about worshiping. You know, the news that I got this week, some of you already know, uh, my mom had her scans this week with her cancer and the doctor was pretty shocked because most of it had regressed in such a way uh, that she will have her continue with three more chemos, but he said by the time she has her last one, she probably will be in remission. Praise the Lord. It's interesting when you get news like that, you want to worship different. All of us in here have already been cured for a better cancer. It's called sin. And the creator of the world sacrificed his most beautiful gift, the most precious gift he had, his son on the cross. That should be enough for us to want to come into worship and just do this. So I'm learning, just like you, I'm learning. And uh, thank you for your prayers for her. Thank you for our recognition to our pastors and our staff this morning. Um, It is a joy, by the way. I think all of our staff would say it's a joy. I feel like I'm living a dream because uh, it is a tremendous joy to, to serve and to serve with Kayla and, of course, Heath and Joey, who have been here for so long. I, uh, Lynette can tell you, uh, I pinch myself sometimes at night to wonder if all this is real. Uh, and I'm excited for what God is doing in our church. I want to remind us this morning, we're in a spiritual battle. And as great as things are, and as great as I believe the future of Crossroads is, there's somebody that's not really happy about that. And his name is Satan, the great deceiver. Lest we think that we are, lest I think, that I can't be drawn away from the cunningness in the schemes of the devil, we all, including our staff and myself, need to periodically do a heart exam and have a heart check because the devil's very crafty. 
That really is what the whole book of Ephesians is about. I think part of, all this is not in the notes, I think part of our struggle sometimes, just being really honest, confession with you, is sometimes we live weeks of our lives spiritually under such oppression and defeat that when we have an opportunity to come in and worship, it, this is all we can do, and that's okay. I think God is pushing us, I hope He's leading us and prodding us to be able to, when we come into worship, to be able to do this. But some of being able to do this recognizes the truth of who God is and the truth of who God says you are. It's much easier for me to come in and worship freely when I'm reminded what the Bible says about me and what God says about me versus what the enemy says about me. Can't believe you're sitting in worship today after what you did this week. After that conversation you had somebody and you think being in church today is going to make you right before God. I mean, the devil loves to play mind games. See, I think the reason he loves to play mind games with those of us who are believers is because he knows he can't steal our salvation that is sealed, Ephesians chapter 1, sealed by the Holy Spirit if you're a child of God. So if he can't take away your salvation, he can take away the joy of your salvation. And there is, I I honestly believe there's the worst condition that a human being can live on the planet is not being not a Christian. That's pretty bad. But being a Christian and not having the joy of your salvation. Because you know who Jesus is, but because of defeat, or sin, or the lies, or the cunning and craftiness of the enemy, you live with this false conception, or you have bought a lie of something that's not true. You know, truth is stranger than fiction. I was looking up some things that you may or may not are true this week, know are true this week. Some of you may know some of these things. Just some somewhat funny things about society. Here's one. Most animals do not eat moss. Because it's hard to digest and it doesn't really have a lot of nutritional value. But reindeer fill up with lots of moss. They eat a lot of moss because it contains a special chemical that changes when they eat it that keeps their body warm in arctic temperatures. Isn't that interesting? A little bit of truth is stranger than fiction for you this morning a lightning bolt generates a temperature 5 times hotter than the sun if you lived in virginia 300 years ago you could pay your taxes with tobacco if you're scared of spiders anybody in here scared of spiders okay a few hands you'll be happy to learn that you're more likely to be killed by a champagne cork than you are a spider So breathe easy, relax, breathe easy. A thousand years ago, the grand vizier of Persia, this king, had to make a long journey. He was an avid reader. He could not stand the thought of being away from all his books that he might choose to read and be away for so long. So he had 117,000 scrolls. That had all of the content of all the books that he wanted to read. Loaded onto 400 camels. And trained his servants to keep the camels in alphabetical order as they followed him around on his journey. Some strange stuff, isn't it? 
Here's some more strange things. Less than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. A majority of those of us who profess to know Christ struggle to identify more than two or three of the disciples. 60% of Americans can't even name five of the Ten Commandments. 40% of Americans believe Jesus, when he was on earth, committed sin. 50% believe that anyone who's generally good will earn a place in heaven. And 40% believe the Bible, the Quran, and the Book of Mormon are all just different expressions of spiritual truth. It's a scary world in which we live. And yet the reality is the only thing that will help you and I learn to be a warrior, as we've been talking about through the study in Ephesians, and learn to live victorious is actually knowing the truth. One of the things that really scares me and I'm fearful of in our society and the church in general, and I'm very concerned about it, as I think Teresa and Susan said up here, I'm concerned about it for us as pastors and leaders. We will be held accountable for what's said up here. If you're a small group Sunday school teacher, we will be held accountable for what is taught in the small groups and Sunday school classes. I like to laugh. I like fun things. I like truth things like I just read to you about truth stranger than fiction. I like poems. I like music. I like things like that. But my dear friends... Part of sharing God's word in our classes, part of sharing God's word from the pulpit, the biggest part, the majority part, 99.6% should be, 99.9% should be, sharing the truth of God's word. That's the only thing that's going to sustain you and I through the things that we encounter in life. Matter of fact, everything is held together by truth. Looks can be deceiving. We live in a world where people like to operate based on what they see. And yet the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. I think about Genesis chapter 12. Some of you know that story where Abram and Lot got together on the hill and their families were, had grown to such an extent they couldn't, the land where they were at could not take care of their families. And so they looked down into the river valley and, and Abram said to Lot, I tell you what, I'll give you first choice. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Genesis chapter 13 verse 8 says that Lot looked and made his decision by the way things looked. And if you continue to study in Genesis, as we will when January rolls around, as a church family, you'll know that Lot chose because things looked great like milk and honey. And the place that he chose was actually the place of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why do I tell you that? Why do I preface the scripture we're going to look at this morning with all that? I, I tell you all that, dear friends, because and I'm no different than you. It is so easy to make decisions by the way things look and not by truth. Let me give you a few examples. It looks like our world is going to you know where in a handbasket. Let me just tell you something. God's large. God's in charge. God's on his throne. He hasn't forgotten where you live. And he is a supreme. Now it doesn't look like that. But that's the truth of God's word. I told somebody this week, I've already read the end of the book. I know what happens. I know what wins. If you're waiting for the movie, have fun. I already know. But it's so easy to get caught up in what's happening in our world and get overcome and get depressed and get discouraged. And that's another great tactic by the enemy. 
I look at, I, I hear Ronnie share and our build, build, Building Faith team, and I think about where we're going out here. And in the flesh, in the natural, no matter what the price tag, I get antsy. That's not walking by faith. God's large, God's in charge. As he was sharing that story, a story that came to me as I was sitting out here this morning. I was a part of a fundraising event in, in Tennessee several years ago, probably 10 years ago. This ministry had stepped out on faith to do something that only if, only if God showed up could it happen, which is where we are right now as a church family, which, by the way, is a fantastic place to be. Because that means if it happens, God gets all the credit, we don't get any. That's a great place to be. We were at this ministry. They were about $50,000 short of where they needed to be. They were, the discussions inside were, oh, what, maybe we missed God. Maybe we shouldn't have done this. Maybe we stepped out too far. A lady walked into the building. It was a radio station in the midst of a radio fundraiser. She walked in and she said, as much as you can raise right now on the radio from the listeners in the next hour, I'll match every penny dollar for dollar. We're like, okay, great. So we started to ask the listeners to call and to give. After about a half an hour, over $12,000 had been called into the radio station. We looked over this lady to see if she was getting a little nervous. She was laughing. We said, we know you said an hour, but if, if you want to change your mind and just do a half an hour, that's okay. We'll understand. She started laughing. She said, no, we're going full, full hour. People continued to call, continued to call. Finally, at the end of the hour, it was over $24,000, that had been called in. And she said, okay, I'll match it. I told you I would. Every dollar, penny after penny, after penny dollar for dollar, I'll match that. $50,000 in one hour from a group of listeners and one individual. I got to be honest. I thought, well, that was great for her to come in. I wonder if she's legit. I wonder if she'll leave and it'll never show up. As we were getting ready to leave that day, she, just, she started weeping and she said, how can I not give and support what God is doing after all God's done for me? She said, God healed me of cancer. Nothing I have belongs to me. I owe him everything. Why, am I, why should I get nervous? She was in the real estate business. I called the general manager a couple weeks later. I said, hey, that lady that came by that day, was she legit? Did she actually follow up on her gift, on her pledge? Or she, have you heard from her? He started laughing. He said, yeah, I heard from her a week after the event. He said she sold a piece of property, several million dollars. Her commission was the exact dollar amount that she said she would give to the radio station. Did the people at the station know that was going to happen? No. That's called walking by faith. So to the Christian, for those of us who are Christians, truth is paramount. We live in a world where there's a lot of false narratives, a lot of fake news, a lot of real news, a lot of all, and we're trying to filter through what is truth, just like Pilate said. And then we get to Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, join me. Appreciate Heath pinch hitting last week and filling in, and we'll... We'll pick up there at the end of Ephesians 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, just so you don't think we've kind of skimmed over. There's a lot there about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot there about home life. We'll jump on that some other time. But Ephesians chapter 6, here's what it says, starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God. Let me just stop right there. Are you fighting 
are trying to fight the spiritual battle half-dressed. Because Paul tells us, put on the full armor of God. He's going to outline what those armor pieces are in just a second. But he says, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can stand and resist in the evil day. You may be able to stand firm, he says, against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, there's that word again. Therefore, you know what it's there for. Everything he's already said. Take up the, here it is again, full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm. He says it again. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth. With truth. I don't know if you noticed it. We're going to stop right there this morning. But he says several times, stand, 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 stand. Man, it's hard. It's hard to stand when Jeff had this experience in the mountains a few weeks ago. You're walking in the river and there's this rushing current trying to knock you down. It's hard to stand up. That's a very perfect image of the culture that we're in right now. Because those of us who are believers are trying to stand for God, but there's this wave of false information, false doctrine, Lies from the enemy that is trying to push us down and take us under. Are you getting this this morning? Okay, just want to make sure. Do you know that the devil has a plan for you and it's not a good one? The Bible says that Jesus has come to give you life and give you life more abundant, but the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take you out. Not for a date. He wants to destroy you. But we're in a spiritual battle, so how do we fight it? We put on the belt of truth. Now, I'm wearing a belt this morning. And my belt is about that wide. Which does not give a very accurate description for the kind of belt that Paul is talking about. And the type of belt that in this imagery he's looking at a Roman soldier that a Roman soldier would wear. It was not this kind of belt. The belt that they would wear was about this wide. And it would go right across here. And it was to be worn to hold everything together. And this whole idea, when he's talking about put on this belt, the full armor of God. Stand firm with the belt of truth, verse 14. Buckled around your waist. He's talking about the truthfulness of life. Not just the truth of God's word. We're going to talk about that this morning. But the truthfulness of of walking through life with the truth. Truth means the readiness to obey. Truth means integrity. Commitment. Being opposed to dishonesty and deception. And the belt of truth, I believe, is the first part of the armor that he lists here because without truth, we're all lost. So Roman soldiers would wear at least three wide belts or, or girdles when they would go out into battle and they would do war. And they were thick. And the reason they would do this, who can, I, who, who can volunteer? Can I have a volunteer? I've got to keep you guys engaged with me this morning. Who, where's Ethan. Where's Ethan? You back there. Ethan, can you come volunteer for me? Come on up here real quick. Take your time. Hurry up. 
Take your time, hurry up. While Ethan's coming, I want to demonstrate this for you. Because you weren't around in Rome, and I wasn't either, but I've seen and read enough about it. When, when they were fighting and they were out in war, and they were beating... Now, don't hurt me, okay? Be gentle, be gentle. When they were out in war and they would get close to each other, come on, come on, yeah, come on like this, fight with each other, they would pull out their sharp little dagger and they would do like this. Well, if the guy was... Thank you, give him a big hand. Thank you, sir. Good job, good job. If they weren't wearing a belt, it was like over. So this belt that they had on was a thick piece of leather right across here because if they got into a fight and they had their shields and somebody came up behind them and got really close to them and started doing this, punching them with a knife or dagger, they had on this thick belt to protect them. So what is this belt of truth? If that's important to us to put on the full armor of God and God through Paul is telling us, put on the full armor of God, put on the belt of truth, what is it? Well, if you back up, Back up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. He tells us, and we mentioned this when we were looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Don't learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as, here it is, just as truth is in Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. Truth flows from Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. So any truth finds its root and its source in Jesus Christ. The world is telling you something different right now. The world is telling you, well, that's not my truth. I have my own personal truth. I have my truth. If you have your truth and I have my truth, then whose truth is truth? Because truth can change. And truth doesn't change. Because Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. So only through him do we know truth. Truth is of the utmost importance in the life of a Christian. So when Paul is talking here about this whole armor of God and putting together this image of a soldier that's ready for battle, this thick leather band that is around him, and I don't know, yeah, there we go. On the screen, the picture doesn't do it justice. It looks like that belt's maybe an inch wide. It's not. It's huge. And then there's all these shards and strands that hang down to protect the soldier. So Paul gives us this image to keep us in mind what it's for. Uh, We had our car, car and craft show a few weeks ago. We had the privilege to have some of our officers out here just kind of patrolling and walking through the crowd and directing traffic. I took advantage of that opportunity. And I walked up to one of them, and after kind of having a brief conversation, I said, your, your outfit here you have, you got your... Hey, go over there, look at that guy. That guy named Corey looks like he's trouble. Yeah, oh, you got all these things hooked on you. What is the most important part of your uniform? Knowing what I thought he would say. And he said exactly what I thought he would say. My belt. I said, why is that true? Why is it that your belt is the most important part? And he said, because that's where I have my gun. That's where I have my bullets. That's where I have my handcuffs. That's where I have my radio hooked to. That's where I have my keys. That's where I have my flashlight. Everything's right here. And it was his mace, his pepper spray... Everything is held together right there on the armor of God. 
So before we jump into the points on the screen, let me, let me tell you why the belt is important. And these, aren't, these won't be on the screen. Three reasons. Here we go. Number one, to, they, had, they had their belt to keep them from getting tangled up. They had these long flowing, as some of you know, tunics. And most of the time they would walk around and those would be kind of free flowing. But if it came time for battle, they would grab the back end, they would pull it forward, they would cinch it up and they would tuck it in their belt. So that if they started running in battle, can you imagine, ladies, this is a bad imagery in your brain, so I'm sorry. But can you imagine a man with a long flowing robe running? That's a scary picture. So they would reach down, they would pull the back of the robe, they would pull it up, they would tuck it in their belt so that it did not tangle them up. Can I ask you and myself a question this morning? Are you tangled up? Are you tangled up in some things that you shouldn't be tangled up in? Sometimes those aren't necessarily sinful things, they're just distractions. They had the belt so that they would not get tangled up in all the other things that could happen. The second reason that they had their belt was the belt also just like with a police officer used to carry a lot of other things on that belt to help them. And one of the things in reading the history and seeing about how this belt worked is they had the belt because they were most of the time carrying some pretty heavy things on their back. And this belt served to help keep things on their back stationary, it would have two straps, much like some of our modern backpacks have now, that would run from the belt over and connect to the backpack. Or it would have something that would help come around the center and clip on, that would keep their breastplate right up against them, not bouncing around all over the place if they were in battle. So the the other purpose of that belt was to enable them to carry heavy loads. Let me ask you that. Anybody carrying a heavy load today? I am. The only thing that's going to help you and I get through those seasons of life where we're carrying a heavy load is what? The truth of Almighty God. You may be facing some pretty difficult things and thinking that God doesn't love you and He's forgotten about you and He doesn't care. That's a lie. He does. Loves you tremendously. He's already proven it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that belt helped them to be able to carry those heavy packs. And maybe most importantly, as I mentioned, it helped keep that breastplate tight against the soldier's chest and his sword ready on his side as he tried to move or he tried to run. You know, Jesus is the truth. This word of God is the truth. No doubt most of us in here would say, well, we gladly accept the Bible as God's word. But sometimes if you're like me, I doubt, okay, does, really, does God really know best? See, right then, you, did you see what happened? Right then when I think that, the enemy has stepped in trying to put a lie in front of the truth. Is she upset with me? Why? I can't believe she said that. Maybe she is, maybe she's not. Maybe it's a lie from the enemy. It's trying to get in front of you hearing the truth. My dear friends, Paul goes on to tell us, as we'll see as we finish this book and finish this chapter, that Satan is a great schemer. And he's a great deceiver. And foundational to every single scheme that Satan will pull on you, the foundational thing is, you know what it is? A lie. 
Every single time, it's a lie. So how do we overcome the lie? We overcome the lie with the truth. The truth is God. The truth is only found in God. It's only found in Jesus. In Isaiah 11, chapter 5, we read that the righteousness will be the belt of God's loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Perhaps Paul was reading from a Greek translation of that verse because it actually would more, more accurately say that truthfulness is the belt around God's waist. In other words, God operates from the source and the foundation of truth because God is truth. So, how do we do this in our world? Let me give you the points on the screen. The first one we have to remember is it's not our belt. The truth that we have to surround ourselves with is God's truth. So let me ask you this question. Where are you getting your truth? Because most people today in our culture, unfortunately, are not getting their truth from God. And they're not getting their truth from this. They're getting their truth from the national media, left, right, center. It doesn't matter. They're getting their truth from other places, from the social media feed. Or whatever your friends say, they're not getting truth from the source of truth. And Jesus is the source of truth. So the belt that we need around us is not our belt, it's the belt of truth, God's truth. Simply put, God's truth is in the Bible. Proverbs 6, 21 and 23, we're told about this wisest man who ever lived. Or by the wisest man who ever lived, we're told that the good life comes from taking the truth of the Bible and binding it to our heart, tying it on our necks, Thinking about it when we walk, when we sleep, when we wake up. So it's not our belt. We put on number two, we put on our belt by putting on the Word of God. That's how we put our belt on. When we get up in the morning, visually, we need to be putting our belt on. Belt of truth. Putting that around us. Depending on the translation of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, if you have the NIV or New King James or New American Standard, it will say, buckle the belt around your waist or gird our waist with truth or gird our loins with truth. No matter what translation you have, the reality is we have to consciously put on the word of truth. So you may be asking, I hope you are, Pastor Jack, how in the world do we do that? Because the belt of truth that he's talking about here, don't don't mistake it, because as he gets down through the armor of God at the end, he will tell us about the only offensive weapon that we have as a soldier in God's army, that is the sword of the Spirit that we fight with. That's different than the belt of truth. The belt of truth is how we obtain or how we learn Scripture, that we saturate our minds and our hearts with the truth of God. The sword of the Spirit is how we use that saturation and that knowledge to fight an everyday battle. The problem comes is that a lot of us don't, have not obtained enough of it or have knowledge enough of it that our sword is like flimsy or it's falling apart or it's that short in our culture. We have a lot of biblically illiterate Christians in our world. And that's why the enemy is having a heyday out there beating us up. Because some of us, our sword, we pull our sword out and it's this long. And the enemy, enemy's all over us and we're like, why, why can't I? It's because your sword should be coming out. Okay, like Star Wars. <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite movies of the world. You pull that out. I want you guys to laugh because God wants you to, God wants you to be, 
and me to be victorious. You think God called you to himself and gave you salvation and said, okay, now here's what I want you to do. From now until I come again, I want you to just try through this Christian life. I want you to get knocked down and be defeated. I want you to be sorrowful. I want you on Sunday mornings to wake up and just go, yeah, I don't even know about going to church because I don't know if it's any good. I just want you just to just drag yourself through the Christian life. And... Sorry, I don't think God wanted that, wants that for you or for me. God wants you running through the Christian life going, whoo, yeah, oh, here comes a demon. All right, yeah, come on, devil, try again. I mean, really, otherwise, why would Paul have gone through this lengthy and not just in the book of Ephesians, but all throughout Scripture? It tells us we are more than conquerors. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why would God tell us all that and say, just lay down and just get run over? No. He wants us to be victorious. So how then, Pastor Jack, do we do it real quick? I wrote down just two or three things. Here's the first one. Listening to sermons. From pastors and teachers who teach the Bible. Not just me. I'm not just trying to get game time. Friends, I do that too. You understand that as pastors, we, don't, we have to also be feeding ourselves. A lot of times on Sundays, we're doing this. But at some point, if we're not feeding ourselves with truth, we will crash and burn. So we have to be just like you. We're no different than you. Throughout the week, feeding ourselves on God's word. Are you doing that? That's how you put on the belt of truth. You put on the belt of truth by regularly and faithfully attending a place of worship where the Bible is taught by getting into a Bible study. They're not here today, most of them. But if you're a CEO Christian, that's Christmas, Easter only. If you just show up two Sundays a week, Two Sundays a year, and you think you're getting enough Bible knowledge and Scripture in your heart to live the Christian life, I will, I will go on record as saying the devil is already in your pancakes. He's already messing with your life week in and week out. You say, how do you know that? I know that because I try to be in God's Word every week, and He's trying to get in my pancakes. Now I'm getting hungry because I'm thinking about pancakes. How else can we do it? Reading God's word to ourselves. I've told you this story before. My grandmother, before she passed, I dropped by her house and she was sitting on the back porch just reading God's word. And she was worshiping, like Joey said, by leaking. She's just sitting there crying and she's just rubbing God's word. She's feeding herself with God's word. Listen, I love preaching. I love teaching. God's called me to do that. He's called Heath to do that. He's called some of you to do that in small groups. I love doing that. As much as I love doing that, let me say this to you. If the only time you get into God's Word and you hear God's Word is on Sunday morning for, thir- okay, for 40 minutes, you're not going to make it. Neither am I. Please get into this book. For from it, from the author, is all truth. It's all truth. I know we're in a digital age. I know we have apps. I have one on my phone that has the Bible. That's great. I sometimes wonder in my conspiracy theorist mind and some movies that I've seen if that's just one step to taking God's word completely off the planet. 
that at some point if there were no more print versions, and they're printing fewer and fewer of these, by the way, and there were only electronic versions, and then the electronic grid crashed. Let's just go with that thought for a minute, hypothetically. If that happened, how much of this do you have in here? Do you have enough? Do I have enough in here and in here that I could survive if that happened? It's a discipline. Make no mistake about it, it's a discipline for Bible study and memorizing and so that brings me to the last point as we wrap up and as, as we close, as we talk about the belt of truth. We've got to understand that it's God's word alone. Some of the things that I kind of skim across the internet and find, looking for things to encourage me and feed my soul, it's interesting what you'll find uh, in the name of truth. You'll find th- some things from, quote unquote, pastors who have a little bit of the truth, but it's also sprinkled with some things of the world. A little bit of things that make you feel good, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Bible. Anybody that adds anything to this, you can go on record of knowing they're a false prophet and a false teacher. Solo scriptura simply means the Bible alone. Not buffet style. It's not, I pick a little bit, oh, I talked to a college-age student a few weeks ago. Well, I pick a little bit from the Bible, and I pick a little bit from uh, Buddha's teaching, and I pick a little bit from Muhammad's teaching, and all that kind of together in this crock pot, I come up kind of, that's a false teaching. That's not truth. It may have some truth to it, but if it's only a little bit truth, then that means it's a little bit lie, which means it's all lie, because it's not the truth. So this morning, as I've been praying about how we would end our time together, I would just ask you, dear church family, this question, and I'm asking me this question. Am I ready to live by truth alone? And if you are, this morning, then I want to ask you, as Paul challenges several times in those few verses, stand firm, stand, do everything to stand firm. Put on the full armor of God. Stand, 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 stand. That's the only way we can stand. Stand on this. Don't worry, I'm not going to stand on my Bible. But figuratively and spiritually, that's what God is asking us to do, is stand on His truth. If you're willing to do that this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to stand and say so. Simply just right there where you are, just to stand up and say, I will stand on truth. I will stand on truth. Really loud, just say it. I will stand on truth. I hope, dear friends, that you will hold even us as church staff and pastors accountable. I believe there is a day quickly coming where we as the church and we as church leaders are going to be pushed from every side to compromise and tweak well, just, just a little bit. 
it's still mostly truth, but you can kind of just say this. Everybody will be okay. We're going to be pushed to not stand on this. And if we do, and we compromise, and we succumb to that pressure, we're done. Our days as crossroads are over. Might as well take the sign down. Might as well take the cross off the steeple. Because God will say, I'm done. My presence is going to leave. Because if you're going to compromise and not stand for truth. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the truth. That you are the truth. Your word is the truth. God, I pray for these friends in this place. They are friends. And that's why my heart often breaks, God, because I know in my own life, if what's true in my life has to be true in their life, because we live in the same community, the same world, that the pressure to compromise is at an all-time high. And you're calling us to be men and women, young men and young women of truth. And the source of that truth is in you and in you alone. So I pray, God, for strength for the battle. And thank you, God, that as you call us to be warriors in your army, you do not send us out half-dressed. You give us all the tools, all the armor, everything that we need to fight the spiritual battle that we will face. It's not a matter of if we will face it. We will face it. So would you be our strength today? While you're praying there in your seat, we're wrapping up, I promise. I do want to offer time for you to respond. Maybe it's there in your seat. Maybe it's down front. As Lynn plays, if you just need to slip out, you want to come pray. You want to grab my hand or I'll ask Keith to come stand as well. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Maybe the devil's... (laughs) Maybe the devil's been in your pancakes this week and you're just going, wow, I need spiritual help. It's all right. You've come to the right place. Because Jesus is the answer. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe today you'd say, you know what? I want to put my roots down in this church known as Crossroads. Wow, what a great place to get to grow deeper. I can't think of a better place in this community. I'd love to invite you to come to do that during this time right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we give you this time. Have your way. Have your way. Amen. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.